Hello Hacker Public Radio. My name's Becky Newborough, and some of you may have heard me recording on HPR before, as I've previously taken part in some collaborative programmes, like last year's New Year's um, Eve party. I've also jointly recorded a congratulatory message for HPR's 1000th episode, and I did that with my husband, and I'm the mature one that's blowing raspberries rather loudly. And also recently, at Old Camp 2012, Ken Fallon, he, um, well, cornered me, I suppose is what you could say, in a nice seedy hotel in Liverpool. He shoved a microphone in my face, backed me into this corner, gave me nowhere to run, and basically asked me all about the Lincoln Linux user group, of which I'm the lug mistress. This episode, however, will be my first ever Hacker Public Radio podcast off my own back. And oh boy, have I procrastinated long and hard about what to talk to you about. Um, Today, I mean, I'm an old person, so I actually want to do what most old people do, and that's we like to reminisce. So come and take a short trip down memory lane with me and maybe compare some experiences as I explain how my journey to geekdom started. My first introduction to tech, um, probably about 1981, 1982, when the BBC microcomputer came into schools in the United Kingdom. And my experience of that was actually they were locked away in a room and our maths teacher, Mr Morgan, knew as little about them as the kids did. He did, however, have an awesome beard, so that qualified him to take on the computer lessons in our school. I can't actually remember what we did in those lessons and I definitely can't remember what I learned. But however, I was impressed with what I saw. Um, My next piece of tech probably that I picked up was the Casio scientific calculator and I used them for all of those scientific reasons such as spelling words like shell, hello and all of those really mature rude words such as boob, boobs, boobies, boobless, bogies and it doesn't matter how old you are those words never get old. (laughs) My teenage years, probably like most of us, were spent in my bedroom hiding from my embarrassing parents. My teenage daughter does that now, so I'm guessing actually that nothing has changed across the generations. Um, During 1982-1983, probably the highlight of my adolescent week was recording the UK Top 40 chart on a Sunday, and that was something that all teenage kids do. I used to play the tapes back so much and then keep fast-forwarding the DJ talkie bits that the tape used to get stretched. And when you couple that with dying batteries, it definitely made for some very interesting noises coming out of my bedroom, I can tell you. Next was Christmas 1984, and wow, what a Christmas. We actually got a ZX Spectrum 48K, and suddenly my parents had gone from zeros to hero overnight. There was a downside though. It was a joint family present, which meant that I had to share it with my fantastically annoying eight-year-old brother James. We only actually had two games that I can remember playing on the ZX Spectrum. There was a 3D Death Chase and there was Jet Set Willy. 3D Death Chase, for those of you that can remember it, um, was a motorcycle game where you chase motorcycles through trees and it could either be single player or two player. And that actually was the game of choice for my dad and my brother to play. Jet Set Willy, because it was a platform game and it was single player with levels to complete, that definitely suited me more. So that was my game of choice. 
However, both um, myself and my brother and my dad, to be fair, we were never allowed to play on the ZX Spectrum for very long because my mum, as I'm sure many mums at that time were doing, used to constantly moan about how much electricity was that thing using and then coupling it with things or statements like money doesn't grow on trees, we've got a mortgage to pay, bills to pay. And like I said, I'm sure my mum wasn't the only one at the time using that as an excuse, probably around their ignorance of what was actually in their living room and being played with. So that was my adolescence. Um, I left school and I left home as soon as I could. So basically, 1986, I'm 16 years of age. I want to leave home. Where do I want to go? I want to join the Air Force. So I did. I joined the Royal Air Force and I actually joined as a data analyst and I was stationed at RAF High Wycombe. So a data analyst does exactly what it says on the tin. I analyse data. During my basic earned my trade training, the actual role of data analyst was sold to me as being a scientific research role. But in actual fact, all it was was glorified number crunching and being a clerk. Um, I was luckier than most of my intake, though, that when I was posted, I was given the job of calculating aircraft wing and fuselage fatigue for um, certain types of, at the time, UK aircraft. So it was on the Buccaneer bomber, the Hunter T7 and T8 training planes, the PR9 Canberra, which does or did photo reconnaissance, and the Victor, which was used for refueling, can't even say it. Um, The reason for calculating the fatigue was basically to try and calculate the amount of life that was left in the aircraft and to make sure that they were flying within the safe stress limits. We didn't want any nasty crashes in the RAF. Um, Whilst I was in the RAF then and working at, uh, well, Strike Command, High Wycombe, the RAF, they actually wanted the data captured in a database for analysis. And at the time, there was no off-the-shelf product available for them. So it was a lot easier if they sent me off to London for a week to go and basically learn how to program in DB3 or DBase3. I'm never ever going to forget in this. The if and the then commands. All I can ever remember now is that they had to be aligned. Where you started the if, you had to make sure that you then ended it with a then and that they were aligned. That you knew that the conditional statement was open or that you closed it off properly. So even now, on the very few occasions when I do do some HTML, I still want to tab in my elements. And basically, my husband, Philip, laughs at me for this. Um, One of the drawbacks, I suppose, of working with computers all day in the Air Force, I then actually didn't want one for home use. And it wasn't until 1996 when um, I actually thought about maybe getting a computer into my home. I do remember having to take out a bank loan and I do remember paying about £1,500 for it. Uh, Getting onto the internet in those days was also a bit of a bind. Um, We had over here FreeServe dial-up and I remember it costing a penny a minute. However, if you'd been on for longer than 60 minutes, uh, they used to break the connection. They used to kick you off because that was their max. Um, Again, because I use computers all day at work... The one that I had at home, I just wanted to play games on. And I do, or I remember playing the games Risk, uh, certainly Theme Park and SimCity. They were definitely, definitely my favourites. My husband has since commented, actually, that I do have megalomaniac um, tendencies, apparently. 
We're now going to jump forward a few years, just to 1998, and this was actually when I got my first mobile phone. It was a Motorola D520, and it had an extending aerial. It was actually a just-in-case-you-need-it phone, because um, that was all a mobile phone was to me in those days. However, nowadays, I do tend to use my mobile to browse the internet, take pictures, check email, stream podcasts, play games. So actually very, very little text messaging or phoning goes on. My current phone of choice is a ga- ga- oh, I can't even say it. Samsung Galaxy S3. And in fact, this is the phone of choice for our whole household. And we're all really sad we've all got the same colour case. Um, bringing us more up to date then. So I met my husband, Philip, who is now my... Well, sorry, I met Philip, who's now my husband, 2004. And through him, I actually got my first introductions to Linux and open source operating systems. I'd never heard of them before I met Philip. He used to come to my house and he used to laugh at my old Windows machine. And he'd keep offering to um, make it better for me. I think he actually meant make it disappear. I just do distinctly remember him saying one day that there... So I remember saying to him that there was no way that he was going to be putting that open source shite on my computer in my house. How wrong was I? By the time he'd moved in and by the time that we had got married, not only was I using Zubuntu as my default distribution of choice, he'd also stripped out the Windows PC from the house. He'd got each of us laptops and that was very opulent, I thought, because it had up until then been me and my daughter sharing some cranky old Windows machine in the corner. Um, This was also the time that actually he made his home project that he'd been working on part-time in evenings and weekends available to everyone on the interwebs to download. And this project, some of you may know, some of you may not, it's actually Crunchbang Linux. And this is his own derivative distribution that was originally based on Ubuntu, however now it is solely Debian-based. And it did become a little bit popular. And there was a thriving and a growing forum community There was increased downloads, increased forum membership every time he put out a new version. So, being the supportive wife that I am, wanting to learn more about Linux and open source in general, I did offer to look after the forums for him in the early days, monitoring user registration and moderating comments and conducting the search and destroy missions for spam posts and links, actually not realising what I was letting myself in for. Now we have a dedicated forum moderation team, for the um, Crunchbang forums, and for that, I am eternally grateful. Philip also introduced me to some tech events, such as Lug Radio Live and OGCamp, and it's been through attending these events and meeting like-minded people, and coupled also with doing the community management bit on the Crunchbang forums, that actually inspired me to want to go out and do more in my local community. So I did, last August, I set up a local Linux user group for Lincoln. And that pretty much now brings us bang up to date on my journey into geekdom. Other than the fact that I do have a new experience to add to my list now, and that is recording this podcast that I'm going to contribute to Hacker Public Radio. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. My name's Becky Newborough. Thank you and good night. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. 
Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.